You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again today. It's good to be able to open up God's Word uh, with you folks this morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the opportunity to continue walking through uh, the Gospel of Mark um, with you folks today. So before we get into our text, I want to begin by asking a question. And the question simply is this. It'll be up on the screen. What is the Christian life all about? Think about it. If someone came up to you and asked you, what is the Christian life all about, what would you say? What would you tell them we're supposed to be doing? What would you tell them our mission is? What is is the agenda that we're supposed to be working towards after we come to faith in Jesus Christ? And if, if you're like me, I grew up believing that the Christian life was adopting a new list of do's and don'ts that shaped how I live. There are certain things I was supposed to be that I wasn't supposed to, 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 to do anymore, and there are other things that I needed to start doing. And friends, let's be honest, part of following Jesus is changing how we live, right? We should live differently now that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But that can't be it. Behavior modification, just changing how we behave, is a weak vision for what the believer should be doing. And to be frank, there are many people that have actually walked away from the Christian faith because they're looking for something more than just changing how they act. But what if I told you that Christianity is far more than just changing your behavior? What if I told you that Jesus came not just to change your, your behavior, but to change your very heart. What if I told you that Jesus offers you a brand new way to look at life, a brand new mission to accomplish, and a brand new kingdom to live for? See, church, today, the, the focus of our time together is simply this, this statement that the Christian life is living for the kingdom of God. That is why we're here. That is what we should be doing. So before we open up Mark today, I pray that with our time, I pray that you would just catch a vision of what God has done and what living for the kingdom is all about. So before we even get into our portion, our text today, let's just bow one more time and ask God's blessing as we open up Mark 1. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you love us enough to send your son Jesus God, to be our example, to be our Savior. But God, so much more than that, Father, to be our King. So I pray today that as we open up Mark chapter 1, as we begin to look at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, God, that we would catch a vision, Lord, for who you are and what you have called us to, God. Lord, it is so much more than, than, than just changing how we act. It's so much more than Going to church on Sundays is so much more than just um, finding a place to serve or or joining a group. God, there's so much more that you have for for your children. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would 
catch just a small glimpse of what living for your kingdom looks like today, Father. So we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, for this time in your word today. We pray all these things in the name of King Jesus. Amen. So if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20 is where we're going to be spending our time in God's word today. If you don't have a copy of, 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 of Scripture with you, I'd encourage you to take that uh, Black Pew Bible right in front of you, turn it to page 836, and you'll be able to follow along with us as we, as we walk through uh, these verses together this morning. Uh, Mark is, is one of the four Gospels um, within the, the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, each Gospel is an account of, uh, of Jesus' Jesus's life. It's what he taught. It's what he did. Um, and it's a great place to start. If you're, like, just checking out Christianity for the, for the, for the first time, uh, I'm so glad that you're here today because today you're just going to get a, a little glimpse of who Jesus is and, and, what he has, and, and, and what he came to do. But the Gospels are, are a great place uh, to really find out who Jesus is. Um, so far in chapter 1, Mark has introduced us to John the Baptist, the prophet who actually prepared the way for Jesus to come. And last week we saw Jesus' own baptism and, and his uh, t- temptation in the wilderness as well. But this morning we're going to see Jesus actually begin his public ministry. And in Mark 1, 14 through 20, Jesus proclaims the good news of the kingdom and invites others to follow him. And the first thing that we're going to see today is the announcements of the kingdom. See, up, up to this point, Mark has focused on the preparation for Jesus' ministry. But now Jesus is going to come front and center, and the rest of the book is all about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So let's start out reading verse 14. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. See, Jesus began his ministry after John the Baptist was arrested. Mark doesn't give us these details, but in Luke chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 14, verses 3 through 5, uh, these passages tell us that, that King Herod arrested John because he publicly called Herod out for marrying his brother's wife. Most kings don't like it when other people publicly call them out for things. So Herod did what most kings would do. He threw him into prison. And it was at this time that Jesus went into this northern region of Israel, surrounded by farmers and fishermen, and began his public ministry, began um, really preaching the good news of the kingdom. It says that Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Now listen, it's important to understand the term gospel. See, gospel literally means good news worth sharing and celebrating. See, for those of us who have been around church for a while, who, who, who have read the Bible, what do you typically think of when you think of the word gospel? Think of the, the saving message that Jesus died for our sins and rose again and offers eternal life. That is true. That, that is the gospel. But not every time you see the word gospel in Scripture is it referring to those things. You need to look at the context. What exactly is going on here? Because literally the gospel, the word gospel literally just means it's good news. When you call up your best friend after you get engaged, you are proclaiming gospel to them. When you celebrate with loved ones after graduating from high school or being accepted into college, you are celebrating good news. 
When people gather their friends and family to reveal the gender of their their baby, they are sharing in their excitement. Uh, My son mentioned to me yesterday that the gospel of State Farm is that they can help you bundle and save on your car insurance. That's good news. Shameless plug for State Farm, I guess. But friends, throughout Scripture, we see different Gospels being proclaimed. I'm not saying that there are different ways to be saved. That's only one way, through faith in Christ alone for your salvation. But there are different Gospels that are being shared. In Luke chapter 3, when when Jesus is born, the angels are are announcing good news to the shepherds. They said, this will be good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That word good news is right in there. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 proclaims the gospel of the cross, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. That is the gospel. And here in, in, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is proclaiming the good news of what God was doing at the start of his public ministry. And verse 15 explains what this gospel was. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I want to just break this down a little bit. The first thing that Jesus mentions is that the time is fulfilled. See, the first thing that Jesus says is that the time for God to work has come. See, Jesus announces that the time of waiting for God's intervention was over. Divinity actually stepped into human history the moment that Jesus was born, and nothing would be the same again. He said, listen, the time that people have been waiting for and longing for and praying for is now. I have come to do something for God's people. The Apostle Paul brings out this same point in Galatians 4.4, where he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Born of, a, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he could redeem those under the law and receive them as adoption as sons. It says, when the time came, God did something. What did God do? God sent us his son, Jesus. He said, the time is fulfilled. That God had heard the prayers of his people, that he saw the suffering from their sin and sent his son to save them. The time to be delivered was now. But then Jesus goes on and says, not only is is the time fulfilled, but the kingdom of God is at hand. Or literally means has come near. You'll see that in some of your Bible translations. That the kingdom of God had come close to them. Friends, listen, whole sermons, whole books have been written on this topic of the kingdom of God. And I can't go into every single detail today. But I want you to understand one thing about the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. Dallas Willard puts it this way, the kingdom of God is where what God wants to be done gets done. That is the realm that whatever God wants to happen, it happens. We think about this, but we find, we find the same kind of verbiage in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. As Jesus is telling his disciples how to pray, and he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in heaven right now, whatever God wants to be done is done. 
God's effective will is all over that place. God is ruling and reigning in the sphere and realm of heaven right now. Our, our prayer is that, is that down on earth, right here, where we live, we are praying that God would do the same thing, that what God wants to be done in our lives and the people around us would happen. That is the kingdom of God. And the good news is that the kingdom of God has been, has been brought near through Jesus the King. We'll see all throughout the book of Mark. We'll see, we'll see Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, allow the lame to walk, and give the blind their sight. So throughout Jesus' ministry, we see the power and presence of God coming down to earth. Because the kingdom of God has, has come down through Jesus, it demands a response, though. So the good news of the, the kingdom of God, one is that the time has been fulfilled. That's a reality. That's true. Jesus has come. The kingdom of God is also at hand. That's a reality. God, Jesus has brought the kingdom of God down, in, down upon earth through, through, through himself, through himself as the king. But now Jesus calls us to something. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Now again, this isn't Repent and believe that I came to die for your sins and I'm going to rise again. It's repent and believe in the gospel that the time has come, that God has done something and the kingdom of God is at hand because Jesus the King has brought it down to earth. So Jesus calls us to repent and believe in the good news that he just proclaimed. That the gospel is that God has appointed Jesus as King and he deserves our allegiance, our obedience, and our worship. He deserves to rule and reign in our lives. But listen, this rubs a lot of us the wrong way. Because we believe that we have the right to run our lives and do as we please. If someone were to come up to you right now and take your wallet and take your purse and start rummaging through it, how would you feel? I'd be violated. That's my, that's my stuff, man. What are you doing? If someone comes like, rub, like rummaging, not through my purse, but through Mel's purse, like, dude, that's not yours. What are you doing? Jesus, as king, has the rights and the authority to rummage through your stuff, to tell you what needs to go and tell you what should stay. No one likes that. Why? Because we feel like we have the right to do what we want, to do as we please. Many of us have lived in rebellion against King Jesus. And some of us, we live in open re rebellion. Be like, I know what God says. I know what God wants for my life, but I'm not doing that. No, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live in open rebellion against God. I don't care what his word says. I don't care what other people say. This is what I'm going to do with my life. Friends, we've all been there. Some, some of us just like to ghost God. You guys have ever sent, sent a text message to someone, no response. Completely ghost you, as if you said nothing at all. Some of us are doing that with God. We, we're acting as if God's word doesn't exist. We're acting as if God never sent a message to us. Never, never told us, instructed us what we should be doing with our lives, and we just act as if we're doing our own thing and not even acknowledge who God is and what God has said in our lives. 
Isaiah 53, 6 describes humanity this way. It says, all of us have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray, each of us walking down our own path. And we live with the brokenness and pain of rejecting God's best for our lives and, and not allowing him to lead. This is what we live with, the brokenness and pain of trying to do things our way. This is one of my favorite counseling moves, but I love just asking people, hey, how, how's that working for you? You just described what, you, what you're doing. You, you, you just described your own passions, what your, your own desires. And simply ask the question, how's that going for you today? Let me ask you. In those areas of your life where you have decided not to acknowledge Jesus as king and allow him to rule and reign in your life, how's that going? How's that working for you? How many nights are you, are you sleepless because you're thinking of the, of the consequences of your actions? How many of you are overburdened with this life because you're carrying something that God never intended you to carry? And instead of submitting ourselves and putting those things back over to the Lord, to King Jesus, we've decided to carry those things on our own. How's that going? How's that working? So the reality that the time is fulfilled and that the kingdom is at hand demands a response. And the question simply is this, what will you do with King Jesus? It's the question that, that we, may ha we have to make initially when we come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but it's also a daily decision of who am I going to allow to rule and reign in my life today? Friends, there are two ways to live. We can either live in rebellion against God, or we can live in submission to King Jesus and allowing him to rule and reign in our lives. And so when Jesus calls us to repent and believe, he calls us to turn away from our self-rule and turn to the rule and reign of King Jesus, trusting that his ways are best. We trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, and we have the confidence to let God lead our lives from that moment forward. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is the only king worth following. And that he promises abundant eternal life for all who turn from their selfishness and pride and trust completely in him. So what will you do with Jesus? Will you choose to turn from your old ways and allow him to lead? Or will you continue living life without him? And a crowd decides, I just believe. That there's someone here who's just sick of doing things on their own. Sick of, of dealing with the consequences of their sins. Sick of the way that their life has turned out to be. But friend, know that it doesn't have to be that way. Know that God offers eternal life and abundant living, when you turn your life over to the Lord and say, enough is enough. And that invitation is open for you today. 
to recognize that my life is not going the way that I want it to. Recognize the fact that Jesus is, Jesus is king. And when we submit to his ruling and reigning in our lives, he promises not only to save us from our sins, he promises not only to, to walk alongside of us, give us a home in heaven someday, but he promises to change your life now. That is the good news of the kingdom of God. I love this quote by, by Billy Graham. It says, I've never met a man who trusted Christ and ever regretted it. So, friend, if you are here today and your life is a wreck, know that there's hope. And that hope is found only in King Jesus. And we'd love to, again, have more of a conversation with you about what that looks like. But it begins with the decision, I'm going to follow King Jesus from this point forward with my life. He and he alone is worthy of my worship, my obedience, and my allegiance. But Jesus, not only did Jesus announce the good news of the kingdom, but Jesus also invited other people to experience life through following him. In verses 16 through 20, we see the invitation of the king. I love, I love these, these, these five verses here. Verse 16 says this, And passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Mark is just the man. And I think we'll, we'll just appreciate more of his writing as we go on. Like, but like, I, just, I just love the, the way that he writes and picks things up. Yeah, they're casting nets in, in, into the sea. Why? They're fishermen. That's their job. That's who they are. That's their identity. And if it doesn't come out here, but several months before, Jesus had already met these two brothers, had already met Simon and Andrew. In John chapter 1, verses 35 through 49, we, we learn that, uh, that Simon and Andrew were actually disciples of John the Baptist. They were, they were following him and following him, his teaching. And, and Jesus comes along one day, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John, John's almost like urging them on. He's like, Guys, I'm stepping back. I'm about to say some crazy stuff to Herod and get arrested. You go follow Jesus instead. And the rest of that portion describes how, how they, they spent time with Jesus. And, and Andrew went, and went to his brother Peter and says, we have found the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the king. And so months earlier, they had already come to faith in who Jesus was. But now Jesus is inviting them to something greater. And in verse 17, he says, Jesus says, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Man. What an awesome invitation. The Savior of the world, the Messiah, the King, is walking along the Sea of Galilee, sees some fishermen, and he, and he invites them to spend time with him. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's like, Simon and Andrew, you have been fishing for fish for far too long. And not saying that that's a bad thing, but you follow me, and, I'm, and you're going to be fishing for men. You're going to be, instead of you pursuing and chasing after 
fish, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to have a vital role in, in bringing people to the Messiah and changing their lives for all of eternity. And Jesus invited and Andrew and Simon to accept him as king, to learn from his teaching, to model after his example and join his group. That word follow there means just that. It means to go behind someone. It means to take upon them, take upon their teaching. It's to, to learn from how they act. It's to be identified with, with the person that you're following. To come and be my disciples. And in verse 18 it says, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. No hesitation, no thinking. Immediately, they went and followed after Jesus. And verse 19 says, And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed after him. So here we see another, another set of brothers, James and John. John is going to be the one that, that writes the Gospel of John. So we're, we're seeing them from the very infant stages of their walk with God here. But no, notice a few things about James and John. You see, Andrew and Peter, they were just in the water mending their nets. James and John says that, uh, and they left their father um, with the boats and the hired servants and followed after Jesus. James and John, it's believed that James and John were actually wealthier fishermen. That, that their father had, had created um, a pretty upscale fishing, fishing business, a fishing company. So for these two young men to follow after Jesus, they weren't just giving up some nets. They were giving up hopes and dreams. They were giving up the financial stability of being able to be just ushered into the family business. But immediately, they left all of that behind, and they followed after Jesus. And there are two points that I think is important to understand about Jesus' invitation. The first point simply is this, is that Jesus is worth anything you leave behind. Jesus is worth anything you leave behind. See, Simon and Peter left their nets behind and followed Jesus. James and John left behind their father and their hopes and dreams of continuing the family business. And at that moment, I'm sure there were people that thought they were crazy. Why would you give all of this up to go follow this guy named Jesus? Why would you give up stability and security to go follow a guy who's just proclaiming the good news that he is somehow the king of the world? But there was something about Jesus that made both, both sets of brothers immediately drop their nets and follow after him. Friends, when we understand who Jesus is, when we understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, everything else fades away. There is nothing as important as following Jesus with our lives. Friends, whatever is holding you back from fully committing to Christ, I pray that you would see Jesus for who he is and find that nothing compares to knowing Christ, following after him, 
and serving him with all of our lives. Jesus is worth leaving everything behind. And secondly, Jesus wants to do something in you before he does something through you. Notice the promise Jesus gives in verse 17. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, because you believed in me, go and be fishers of men. Jesus doesn't say, just go to work. Jesus doesn't say, just get at it. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The, the result is, the, the change that's going to happen in our lives, the things that we're going to do is because God is going to work in, in, in our hearts and in our lives before he ever sends us out to do anything. Jesus wants to do something in your heart, in your life, before he sends you out to, to, to go and serve him. See, many of us are so anxious to do something for Jesus, to prove our love for him, to prove our worth, that we hop into service so quickly without spending time actually following Jesus. But Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, learn to seek my face. Learn to walk with me each day. Learn what it is to be my disciple and I will make you into who I want you to be to accomplish what I want you to do. Friends, many of us, again, are so anxious to do something for Jesus that we, that we forget that it's about spending time with Jesus. Many of us feel this, this unneeded tension and pressure that says, if I'm not serving the Lord from the very beginning, that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Listen, Simon and Andrew already trusted in Jesus as their Messiah. But Jesus says, I want you to come and spend time with me. I want you to follow me. I want you to learn from me. And then when you're ready, as I do a work within your heart, I'm going to send you out. Friends, in three short years from this moment, Jesus would be, would be crucified. And three days later, he would resurrect from, from the grave. And 40 days after that, he was going to ascend to heaven, leaving the care of the church in these men's hands. But notice he doesn't send that, he doesn't tell them right away. He doesn't say, hey, follow me, and tomorrow you're going to plant a church. He says, follow me. And when you're ready, when I have done a work in your life, you're, you will be fishers of men. You will. You will go and do what I have planned out to accomplish for you to do. So the question simply is this. What will you do with Jesus' invitation? Because friends, just as Jesus invited Simon and, and Andrew and, and James and John to follow after him, he gives us that same invitation today. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what will you do with his invitation? What will you have to leave behind? What, what are you willing to leave behind to follow Jesus today? What is preventing you from taking that step of faith and following after Jesus? What is standing in your way of following after Jesus with all that you have so that he can make you into who you want to be, who he wants you to be, and that he can send you out to be fishers of men?
I began our time today with a question. What is the Christian life all about? I think Mark 1, 14 through 20 answers that question, that the, the Christian life is living for the kingdom of God. And as I just invite the praise team and the prayer team forward, let me just finish with this. Friends, Jesus proclaims that the Christian life is about living for the kingdom of God. It is following Jesus as king and allowing him to rule and reign in our lives. It is exchanging our old way of living and following God's way instead. And as we follow King Jesus, he will change us into the people who advance his kingdom, who bring heaven down to earth, and who invite others to meet our king. Friends, this is what the Christian life is all about. It's not about just doing a, changing a list of behaviors. It's not about checking off some boxes. It's about living for the kingdom of God. But it begins with a decision to follow King Jesus. So I pray that you will make that decision today. So why don't we stand, let me pray over you, and then we'll close with one more song. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for this text. I thank you, God, for the vision that we have, Lord, that you are king, that you are king over our lives, that you are king over, over this earth. God, and it is our privilege to be able to follow after you. But God, it is a choice we make each and every day. Who will I follow today? Who will I entrust my life with today? Am I going to do it myself? Or am I going to trust in King Jesus to save me from my sins, to create something new within my heart, to give me something to live for, God? And it begins with the decision to leave all of that behind and follow you each and every day. So God, would you give us courage to do it? Would you give us wisdom, Father? Would you prune our lives and take out what doesn't need to be there that is withholding us from following after you? And would you give us the courage to step out in faith and follow you today? So God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that today they would renew that call to live for the kingdom of God and decide to follow Jesus. We pray all these things in the name of the risen Savior and King Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.